0: Sunday, I preached a message called Daughters of Virtue, and honestly, it was a play on words, but um, I think it was a good play. Um, The organization, you know, that a person could form might be called, you know, Daughters of Virtue, might uh, find themselves focusing on the virtue of the daughters, And in this story, it's really not really about that. It is about how the virtue of Christ um, healed these two girls. Um, So what we have is we have a young daughter who's Jairus' daughter. And we have a woman who comes alone to the Lord uh, having an issue of blood. And she finds herself uh, being called daughter by our Lord. So these two things together, and when she touches the hem of his garment, he calls out to her and says, daughter. And so these two things seem to tie the story together. The woman that he heals had had an issue of blood. She had a constant bleeding of her menstrual cycle for 12 years. And the girl who he healed uh, at the end of this story uh, Jairus daughter was a 12 year old girl. So the whole thing being one story kind of bound together into two, the one miracle happening on the way to the other one, um, really kind of made me think. And the Lord was speaking to my heart about the virtue of our Lord. I think we can oftentimes find ourselves focusing on our own. I know when I was a younger man, I did that. Uh, and I know it's a temptation of all of us to think about how good we've been or how bad others or how much we are better are than other people, but the Bible does teach us that we are not to compare ourselves one to another. You know, that can be good and can be bad. We can find ourselves comparing ourselves how good we are and feel bad about ourselves, or we compare ourselves amongst ourselves and feel good about ourselves. I don't really think either of those things are what god would have us focus on and so that's why i called it daughters of virtue and i wanted to focus on the virtue of christ you never go wrong when you focus on his goodness and his mercy even with our own children uh and in our raising them up we can want them to be virtuous we and 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 we do you know we want a virtuous wife we want virtuous daughters But I have just seen time and time again that when that is our focus rather than our fruit, uh, that's a really bad thing. You know, if you are trying and trying and trying to be virtuous, um, you, you you can kind of make it look like you are. And if you're trying and trying and trying to make your children to look virtuous, you don't want them to embarrass you or, you know, you want them to live these squeaky clean-looking lives. Uh, there, There is some benefit to that, but I also think there's more benefit, not I also think, I know, I've learned this, there is more benefit to their virtue coming out of them as fruit, uh, not something that they're really just taught to do. Okay, you know, do this, do that. And I know in the early stages, that is definitely what we have to do. We're trying to teach them manners or trying to teach him to be polite, but the truth that I have seen over and over again is that we must always be focusing our children on Christ, and if they love him, and they're serving him, and they're not trusting in their own righteousness, but in his, their lives would be so much better. Righteousness, true righteousness, is not something that can be learned or something that can be taught, uh, but it's something that flows out of us when it's the Spirit of God living through us. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 2, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. See what he says here? I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, and He gave Himself for me. Paul understood that the good that he did the loving people, the serving people, even the words he spoke to them wasn't something he learned. It wasn't a place in life that he came to uh, because he became more wise or he got enough information. But there was a uh, a sanctifying or a seasoning of God in the Spirit that takes and changes a man and makes him love people. Paul understood and he would find himself frustrated at himself, but even our frustrations at ourselves can be good things. They can point us away from ourselves, and our own goodness it can help us to not be discouraged. It can help us to not, uh, you know, lose confidence when we're doing what God calls us to do. See, when our confidence is in ourselves, um, and how good we've been, and and how much we pray, and. And, and how prepared we are. Um, I really, really, really think that it is very tempting, then to take pride in what we do in the wrong way. <clears throat> Paul, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, he said this. He said, if anybody had a reason to boast, then he did. I mean, that's a pretty ostentatious claim. <laughs> Uh, if anybody had a reason, you know, to brag, you know, he's got more reason, and he did. He had a lot of reason. In uh, Philippians three, he said it this way. He said that um, if anyone had, it was, I don't think it was Philippians three, uh, or maybe it was. I'm just, I'm thinking of it wrong. Let me look for it here and find it. Philippians three starting here in verse 3. He says, For we are the circumcision, he's speaking of himself as a Jew, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. You hear this? No confidence in the flesh. This is what I'm talking about. You know, you're know, you not looking for your virtue. You're not looking for your preparedness. You're not looking for your uh, anything. We have no confidence in the flesh. Now, confidence is a great thing to have, but it's not a great thing to have when doing the work of God. In fact, having a lack of confidence in yourself and a great confidence in God, I believe that is the recipe for biblical humility. You see... The reason why God doesn't use many great men, many wise men according to the flesh is that no flesh would be able to glory in his presence. I know we love smart people, you know, the guy who can play chess with 12 people at one time and beat them, and we think, well, if a guy that smart has come to the biblical conclusions, you know, he must be right. Uh, and I'm not saying that I don't care about people like that or I don't, I don't appreciate their intelligence. But what I'm saying is, is I don't really think God calls us to look for, you know, the Rush Doonies and the Bonsons of the world and go, wow, look how smart they are. They probably have it right. There's more to it than that. Not that those guys aren't smart. Not that we shouldn't listen to them. But what we really should be listening to and listening for is the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, not people that can demonstrate an intellect that can blow your mind and make you feel stupid. Uh, In fact, the Bible says beware of people that when you listen to them at the end, you don't really know what to do. That instead, you actually have more questions when you're done listening to them than you have answers. So back to Philippians, he says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He says uh, in verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinks he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more and this is a this is a, a pretty boastful uh, claim here, but he, he throws it out here. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law. I was blameless. so these are all great things, but what he's saying is is, even though I was all that, these are things that actually go against me they don't go for me so what he's saying is is the more reason you have to brag in the flesh the more reason you have to worry that that's exactly what you're going to do so you know back to the daughters of virtue thought here the daughters of virtue reminded me that oftentimes you know we'd want to form a club and the club would be about you know how pure and how clean living our daughters are and And all that. And we do want that. But I'm telling you, we don't want it for that reason. We don't want it to be the club to see who can be the most virtuous. This is a bad, bad, bad way of going about it. What we want is we want to cultivate love in the hearts of our children and in our family, the love of God. And we want them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we want that to bring forth spiritual fruit. That's what spiritual fruit's all about. You know, that's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It says that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all that stuff, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, these things all mentioned in the book of Galatians are fruit. That means they're not uh, learned behavior, but they're something that just comes out of you, just like fruit does out of a tree. So he says, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinks he have whereof he might trust that I more, circumcise the eighth day, the stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, touching the law of Pharisee. I mean, he goes on to the list of all these physical things, and he says this. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. He's saying that having so much to brag about in the flesh is actually a deterrent, it is something that he regrets having that makes it more difficult for him because he finds that he might lean on these things, he might look to these things as though these things were something to trust in, like your own virtue. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord... For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, and we all know what dung is, that I may win Christ. Imagine really thinking of your strengths, your pedigree, your intelligence, your ability, and thinking of them, you know, as a pile of dog manure. Uh, you know, we don't think of them that way. In fact, the better people think of us. You know, how many people? How many people attend your church, Pastor? You know, we want to say 500 uh, so they can go, oh, well, he must be a good pastor. Or, oh, tell me about this. Or, you know, tell me about that. There are prideful type of things that we'd like to be able to answer, but not because, you know, we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, but because we want people to have confidence in us. Sometimes we can get discouraged because we don't have the the answers that we want. Oh, I'm not really sure how many people go to our church or whatever you know but honestly if we trust in christ and his righteousness and his goodness we're gonna be like paul here he said i want to be found in him not having my own righteousness so he understands that there is a righteousness that you can have or a right living that you can have that is not come from the spirit of god and we know this because the jews had it the jews were obeying god's word they were following the law they they in every way you know found how to obey things in fact they even took it further than they than they wanted to go you know they would say hey i'm going to obey the sabbath but let me give you 10 ways i'm going to obey the sabbath beyond what god's word had said and so you know they were adding to and adding to why because huh this is virtue but this is super virtue you know among pentecostal circles you know uh they get they get the Holy Ghost, but then they get the supercharged superpower Holy Ghost. Some of these other uh, denominations have these second works of grace. God saves us, and, but then you know we get this second thing that happens to us that makes us super Christians. But he says, I want to be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God. By faith, he wants what comes out of him, and we should want what comes out of our daughters of virtue. Uh, We want their virtue not to be because, you know, they have a promise ring or they want to look good for daddy, but we, we really, really, what we're praying happens in their lives is that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, that they're seeking the kingdom, that they're following him, and their goal is not to be righteous. Now they may be righteous and that's what we want, but we want that righteousness not to be a fruit of uh, you know, peer pressure or discipline or, or whatever. We, not that we don't want that at all, but we don't want it ultimately to be. I hope that makes sense. What we want is we really want God to work in our children's lives. Now for me, as my children get older, I, I have good kids. Uh, and, and you know, most of you know my kids, and I love them. Um, but I found it hard to not really be angry that they're not more virtuous acting than they are. And uh, and you know, at the root of it, <laughs> part of it, I'm mad because I know how much that I've loved them, and I've taught them right, and I've shown them the scriptures, and I've loved people in their presence, and I haven't been a hypocrite. Uh, and so. I'm like, if these guys don't turn out good, you know, people will think that's what exactly what I am. But I think that's really, really misplaced. And I've, I've really had to repent of that lately uh, because I don't think it's like that. I think, honestly, the the better approach as my kids get older is to pray for them and to love them. And, uh, and whatever they end up being, that's what they end up being. And pray for them and, and talk to them and say, hey, you know, Man, I, I'm i going to pray for you, sweetheart. I love you so much, and I see you doing this or that. And it makes Dad sad, um, but obviously that's what you want to do. And, and encourage them to say, hey, God, change my heart. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, let your goodness and your mercy and your righteousness, uh, let it flow out of me. That's what I want for my kids. Paul said this. He said... I have suffered the loss of all things, do count them that dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And here's what, this is the the, the bread on the biscuit or whatever you want to say, but that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now, if you read that and you, don't really understand God's Word, you might think, he just took like, you know, a left turn at Albuquerque here and he's gone off. But what he's saying is, is that the only way that Christ can live in you is through a daily death. you remember how he says this? He said, I die daily. This is what he's talking about here. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He's saying unless I do what Christ said everyone must do, if anyone comes after me, he must what first deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For he that shall save his life will lose it, but he that will lose his life for my sake will find it. He's saying that the only way to have true righteousness is through self a, a self-denying death, which means what I want to do, what I want, you know what I think about, what I would like to build for my life or what I want for my future, I can't pursue that. I have to pursue Christ and his word. And if he gives me that and more, it will be from him. I uh, maybe you maybe you can see the difference, maybe you can't. But he says, "I want to die. I want to just say, "Lord, whatever it is I think I want, you know, I want all my kids to move in little houses and live on my street with me and and I want them to be proof that I was a really good dad and that I was a really good Christian because I really showed them how to live. I really think that's a horrible, horrible vision. Um, I don't think it's a horrible desire to want to be close to your kids and grandkids and have them close by. I think it's wonderful. But it's what why you want it for. And, you know, what I want is I want them to love God and if they all go and live everywhere else and our blessings to other churches and... Uh, have families that build up the kingdom of God other places. I want my kids to seek first the kingdom of God. It may be right here. I hope it is. I hope I do hope they build houses uh, all around my house in a big giant circle, and I live in the middle. And Grandpa gets to visit all his grandbabies every day. Of course, I could be wishing on myself, you know, uh, torture. But but what I'm saying is is only through self denial and and not seeking my own and not trying to make things work out the way I want them to. Only through a dying to self does Christ live. And so that's what Paul is saying. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Verse 11 of Philippians 3. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. What he's talking about is, is of course, when you die, in Christ, when you're dying daily, what's going to happen? You're also going to resurrect. And so, in that death, there is a resurrection. That's where the life comes from. You can't live in a resurrection power unless you have died in the likeness of Christ's death. Does that make any sense? We must live a life of death and self-denial so that we can live and walk in resurrection power. And walking in resurrection power doesn't mean walking on the water or raising the dead or doing some great thing. It means, as Paul said, like I said before in Galatians, Christ living in me, the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I do not want to frustrate the grace of God if righteousness you know, comes by by works and of mine, he said, Then Christ is dead in vain. No, righteousness comes when the Spirit of God lives in us and lives out through us, Himself loving other people. In verse twelve he said, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of. In Christ Jesus, my brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do: forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God, in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is, is the mark that Jesus hit. We know exactly what it was. If he were the arrow, in the in the the, the his life was pulled back by the bow of God, his life hit the target at death. So what God had him do was come and die. And Paul says, that's what my mark's going to be. I'm going to press toward the mark of the high, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says this in verse 15, and this is sums up everything I'm going to say here. He said, Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. You See what he's saying? He's saying if you want to be perfect, if you want to be mature, if you want to be a son or a daughter of virtue, then die to yourself. Christ will live in you. Don't try to discipline virtue into. You can do that. But pray that God brings virtue out of you. Because when virtue flows from Christ into us, as it did the woman with the issue of blood, as it did the girl, Jairus' daughter, when it flowed into their lives, they lived. They were healed. And that's how we can touch people. And that's really, really, really what I was hoping to get out of the message on Sunday. And I hope I did. So may the Lord be with you, and uh, I pray uh, that this will be a blessing to you as you think on these things this week. Amen.